When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael Corda spent much of his life helping others tell their stories. For 40-plus years, he held the role of editor-in-chief at the publishing giant Simon & Schuster. Now, he's telling his own story about losing his wife, Margaret, to cancer after 40 years of marriage. The pair both loved riding horses and met in Central Park after they crossed paths on a trail. The rest was history. Corda says his wife was always strong and healthy and kept active through her 70s. But in April 2016, he says something changed when she began dropping her reins while riding. Margaret, however, didn't give it a second thought and passed it off as clumsiness. But what in fact was happening is that Margaret could no longer feel that her hand was on the whip. She was losing all sensation in the fingers of her right hand. As everyday tasks grew harder, the couple started to realize that something was, in fact, wrong. When it got more severe and it became apparent that was something wrong, Margaret leapt to the conclusion that perhaps she'd had a small stroke, although she showed no signs of having done so. And that's what launched us on the path of getting an MRI, which revealed that she had a large malignant melanoma brain tumor. The discovery of the brain tumor was a ticking time bomb, and it had already started chipping away at Margaret's mobility and coordination. But despite the grim odds, she fought, undergoing brain surgery and radiation in the six months following her diagnosis. Yet her condition grew worse and the couple soon had to face the grim reality. The question is no longer what's going to make her better. The question is how do you make her comfortable and how do you deal with getting her to accept the fact that she's died? Accepting and grieving the death of a spouse or anyone you love is a complicated process, and it's one that's not often talked about. Because we don't talk about grief very openly or honestly in this culture, We don't know what's normal inside of grief. And so we do tend to rely on what are the stages. So things that are normal inside grief, grieving a long-term partner or or any other intense loss, things like cognitive changes will happen. A sort of a sense of unreality, right? Whether the loss was sudden or the loss was almost expected because of a long-term illness or injury, there's a sense of unreality that comes after that, especially when you've been living with somebody for decades, right? They're stitched into the fabric of your life and suddenly they're not there anymore. And it can really throw your understanding of the world and your worldview into a tailspin. That's Megan Devine, a psychotherapist and an expert in grief support. That instinct to call somebody or text them on your way home or you're at the grocery store, whatever that looks like right now, and you see their favorite food and you go to call them or text them and then you realize that you can't do that anymore. So those tiny little bits of everyday life, those little intimate moments of everyday life, I think those can be really surprising and shocking for people when they bump up against them. 
And for Michael Corda, it can be especially hard to comprehend that someone you've made a lifetime of memories with is gone so quickly. For people who lose their partners in those later years, it's like not only does the person die, but whole worlds die, right? Very often this is the person who has been witness to such a deep, vast history with you. And it's not that people who lose a partner in the early stages of life don't lose that, but it's like more of history is lost. Megan Devine is no stranger to loss either. In 2009, Matt, her partner of five years, accidentally drowned when he was suddenly swept away by a strong river current. The sudden loss thrust Devine into a long period of grief and eventually made her question the ways we treat those who have lost someone. I think the tricky thing is that we look at deep loss as a transformational gauntlet, and that's not fair. Some things just hurt. Some things just suck, and there's no silver lining in them. And therapists, honestly, were some of the worst people to talk to in those early days and weeks after Matt died because they pushed that transformation narrative. What do you get to know now that you didn't know before he died? Like, what is that? At his funeral, people were coming up to me and saying, you're going to be such an amazing therapist having gone through this, as though I wasn't a good therapist before. So that narrative that bad things happen to make you better is deeply stitched in the culture. It's certainly deeply stitched in our professional language and our professional orientation to law. Devine says that while some people can give hurtful or unhelpful commentary, most people do have good intentions even though sometimes it comes out the wrong way. They're in a better place now. We hear that one a lot. If the person was in great pain before they died, they're in a better place now. That is not relevant. That may or may not be true, especially you know, considering the grieving person's or the surviving family's belief systems, but it's not relevant, right? I think the other thing to remember here is that we want to let the grieving person lead. If they're saying, I'm so glad that they are free of their pain, then we can say, yes, I'm also glad they're free of their pain. If someone you love is nearing the end of life, Divine says, have a conversation with those closest to you about how it's okay to grieve. Talk to friends and family about the best ways they can show support. Also, talk to them about what you don't want. Sometimes it's as simple as communicating that a hug or just being there in person some days are better than any words of encouragement or positivity. The thing to remember is that there is no one right thing to say. There's nothing you can say to take the person's pain away from them. I am a huge fan of relational disaster planning, which is stuff like having conversations about how we take care of each other before there's an emergency, right? When you lose somebody, your capacity and your ability to advocate for your own emotional needs kind of goes out the window, right? We would love to say that, you know, when you're grieving, you should tell other people what you need. Well, that's a lovely pie-in-the-sky dream. We don't always have that capacity in times of great distress to talk about our needs. So having those conversations ahead of time, talking to friends and family and saying, so listen, I don't really do well with unsolicited advice, and can we talk about how we talk to each other when we're having a hard time. So I anticipate that when my partner dies, I'm going to need to talk about it. And I don't want to be told to cheer up. I don't want to be told to remember the good times. Can we talk about some better ways that we can be there for each other? To find out more about our guests, Michael Corda and Megan Devine, visit viewpointsradio.org. 
For more behind the scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Instagram, X, and Facebook. This story was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Our studio manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. This segment is brought to you by Capital One. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Coming up next week. The conversation you have with your partner to say, your check will go to that and then I'll pay all the bills and then this check will go to that. And it's just like, you know, I work two jobs to afford everything and I still feel like I'm failing. The breaking point of high childcare costs in America. Then. It's actually the second largest money-making holiday after Christmas that we have. The wide appeal of Halloween. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints.